Some of you need to prophesy that over your circumstance, situation, whatever's come against you. Come on, declare it in the face of the adversary. Father, we come before you tonight and we thank you that as we would gather in this place, God, that you would be so faithful to meet with us. God, I've felt the hot tears leak from my own eyes. Not because I'm wrapped up in being emotional, but because I'm wrapped up in your presence and I can't help but become undone when I stand there. Father, I pray tonight that as we would gather and we would gather around your word, that we would gather the sheep that are hungry. Father, that you'd feed us from your word tonight. Father, that we may leave here satisfied by your word. David said, your word have we hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you, O God. God, your word's been the surety in the midst of an unsure world. God, your word's been a steady in a very unsteady time. So, Lord, as we gather around your word tonight, we thank you that it is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will divide the soul from the spirit, the bone from the marrow, and accomplish that which you sent it to do. 
in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people all said, amen and amen. You may be seated all over the house. I want to teach tonight and just talk to you. I'm going to be honest with you. This is really a two-part message. Next week, it will get thick. I think really what I'm going to give you tonight is some milk. Um, excuse my voice if it screeches or, or uh, breaks. It's the fifth time I've preached in four days. So uh, I've been doing a lot of ministry this week. Um, but I'm thankful to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen. But I want to teach tonight on a concept that I think a lot of times we even, um, we say it a lot in the church. We say it a lot of even what we're doing. Uh, we say these terms about advancing the kingdom. Everyone say advancing the kingdom. Advancing the kingdom. So I really want to talk to you over the next two Sundays tonight and next Sunday. I mean, really, what does that look like? What does it look like? To not just say that we're advancing the kingdom, but truly advance the kingdom. And we're intentionally, we're going to take up offering towards the end because I just felt like we needed to jump in this moment right here. But as I preach this message, it may not cause you to shout, but I'm confident of this, that it will cause the kingdom of God to advance. And that alone is a reason to shout. Somebody say amen. Can I tell you that it is God's plan to advance his kingdom? For the Lord declares when we... When his disciples come to him and they say, Master, teach us how to pray. He said, therefore, when you pray, pray this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So when Jesus begins to teach his disciples even how to pray, there is an advancement of the kingdom that is emphasized. Do you see that? Since the foundation of the earth, God has put man in one realm, earth, but now God sits in a different realm that we know is heaven. And he has said that he wants to use us, watch this, he wants to use man in the earth to be the element that brings the realm of heaven into earth. Watch this, we have a church mentality that says we're just trying to get to heaven. We have a church mentality that's waiting on the sweet by and by, the rapture of the church. Glory to God. We're all going to get out of here. But have you ever stopped to wait and pause for one minute in God's Word and realize that maybe God's plan is not to snatch us away suddenly, but that for this moment while we are tarrying, for this moment while we are occupying, it's not God to get us into heaven, but for God to get heaven into earth. Have you ever thought that maybe God's plan for your life was not to live a life that, that, that just seemed like it was pleasing, checked all the boxes, and then you die and go to heaven, but maybe God created you to be somebody that knows how to open up the portals of heaven and the earth. See, I believe that this, even, even here at Dominion, I believe this is a Jacob Ladder's experience. I believe this is the place where the angels are ascending and descending. I believe this is a place where heaven meets earth. I believe this is a place where the transferable presence of God rests and abide. And the simple reason is, is because we're opening up. We open up with worship. We open up with decrees. We open up and we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here as it is in heaven. Since the foundation of the earth, God's plan was not just to get man into heaven, but to get heaven inside of man. See, I believe in this work, and I know that this work right here is a kingdom-minded, kingdom-mandated, kingdom of God advancing ministry. We strive to see heaven come to earth every time we gather. There's none of us here that are here with the mentality, I really believe this, there's nobody here that's just looking for another church service. There's nobody here that's just looking to check a box and say that we went to church. But I believe that the people of God that are in this room are intentionally seeking a move of God. They want the more of God. They're hungry for the things of God. And they're saying, God, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Tonight, though, I want to talk with you on how does it truly look to advance the kingdom. I'm telling you, next week, your mind, but this week, I'm going to serve you a little milk to give the flavor and the taste of the kingdom into your mouth, but then next week, we're going deep, so make sure you come back next week. But I want to, I want to tell you, 
how it is that we as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church, how is it as ambassadors of God that we advance the kingdom of God? If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Time, talent, treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. First, I want to give you two reasons why people do not get involved in advancing the kingdom of God through their time, their talent, or their treasure. The first thing is, is they don't understand stewardship versus ownership. The number one reason why people will not advance the kingdom of God in their life, even as a believer, is simply because they don't understand the difference between stewardship and ownership. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, I think we have that, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, says, do you not know, somebody say, I didn't know, that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, but watch this, who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you are not your own. Watch this. We think we own us. Oh, come on, somebody. We think we own us. We think we're in charge of us. We say things like my life, my dreams, my job. Oh, come on. But he's saying you're in error the moment that you think anything is about you. But do you not know? No, God, I don't believe the church really does know. No, I don't think we really get it, that we are not even our own. We don't own nothing, but watch this. The kingdom says, I'm the owner, you're the stewards. I'm the master, you're the servant. That's what the kingdom says. Jesus owns the field, y'all. We're just the servants that get to work in it. And so watch this. When we go through life thinking it's our life, then we'll live it with our dreams, our plans, our intentions. But the kingdom of God and true kingdom citizens, they understand that their life is but one shot. It's but one one vapor. It's but one, one arrow in the bow to hit the mark for the glory of God that when it's done, he will look and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You didn't live for a marriage. You didn't live for your kids. You didn't live for your dream. You didn't live for money. But you live for me. And so if I live for him, then everything in my life he is intertwined in. It's not what Kyle wants. It's what does Jesus want? What does King Jesus want? If he's the king and we're the citizens of his kingdom, I don't get to live my life just anyway. How come people do not advance the kingdom of God in their life? Because they do not understand the difference between ownership and stewardship. What if you realized that your life was not your own, and if it's not your own, that your life was a seed that God planted in the earth to bear fruit with, to bear his fruit? The second thing, and I'm going to jump into that a little bit more in a little bit, but the second thing that we need to, we need to realize, the reason why people do not advance the kingdom, you ready, is because people don't think they're worthy. I believe that is the second greatest hindrance on why the kingdom of God is not advancing through the lives of believers. First one is they don't understand ownership and stewardship. And the second one is that they simply do not think they're worthy. There is a major identity complex in the church because religion has focused on outward appearance. Come on, somebody. Religion has trained us that that, that there's certain boxes we have to check in order to be this for that and that for God. But see, the kingdom shows up, and when the kingdom of God shows up, he takes the rejected and he makes them the resilient of God. He takes what what religion threw away. Go go back now, and Jesus is walking on the sea of Galilee, or he's walking on the beach of Galilee, and when he does, he finds a fisherman by the name of Peter and his brother, and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you understand the reason why they were fishing is because religion rejected them. Do you understand the very thing that religion rejected? The kingdom said, that's what I want. The ones that thought they weren't worthy was was the ones that Jesus said, that's ones I can use. Matter of fact, John comes and when he's preaching, he says, there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unloosen. What was that speaking of? It was speaking of humility. It was speaking of his humbleness to where he was saying, he, he was saying like, I shouldn't even be here. Shouldn't even be here. And his unworthiness of his own mind actually became his worthiness from the Lord that God said, that's the one that's going to prepare the way for me. So the the second reason why the kingdom of God is not advanced is because people don't think they're worthy. 
you have to understand something. We're not called to church. And I don't even want to get into all this because it can get really deep, but I'm going to anyways. Because you got to understand that church is not, a, is not a thing that gathers. It's not a place where you gather. To really understand that, you have to understand that the root word of this is called the ecclesia. And the ecclesia literally means the called out ones. The first time that that term is found is when Moses meets God at the burning bush. And God says, when you go get him, he said, you're going to bring my people back and you're going to worship me on this mountain. He said, you're going to go get my ecclesia. That term ecclesia also is a governing term. It's a term that uh, in the Roman government that when they would get together and they would have governmental meetings, like town hall of what we know in our culture, it was the ecclesia. And in that ecclesia, there were governing officials called apostles. And those apostles would be in those governmental meetings, and it would be in that governmental meetings in the Roman Empire where rules were established that what could happen in the land was, was, was decreed and declared as law. Hold on. Watch this. Do you understand how much the church is missing it when we dumb it down to a single Sunday service. Do you understand that when Jesus had a picture for his church, he was saying it's not going to be a kumbaya meeting. It's going to be the gathering of governing officials that when you come in, you will rule and reign what happens in the land. He said, when you really understand the seat that you're sitting in, you'll understand that we're binding up principalities. You'll understand that we're breaking strongholds off of the city of Sumter. Why? Because the, the ecclesia is in session. This is a place that we don't just sit. This is a place where we rule and reign. We are the kingdom. The Bible says, do you not know that the kingdom is in you? Everyone's searching for the kingdom. You'll never find the kingdom because the kingdom is inside of you. Oh, the first way that we advance the kingdom is through our time. Uh, I, I just want you to be understandable of this, that the way that you advance the kingdom is through your time. And when I say time, I'm talking about this. You'll never advance the kingdom in an absence of, of time devoted to the Father. You have to sit at his feet to know what he is saying. You have to spend time in prayer. If you're ever going to be somebody that advances the kingdom of God, you got to know what it means to spend time with the Father. You have to know what it means to spend time in prayer. Another place that you have to spend time, you ready? you got to spend time in the Word. Do you understand that this book, the Bible, is called the Old and New Testament, compiled of 66 books. Do you understand that it's not just an Old Testament and a New Testament, but that that document, Testament, is a legal binding document? It's the legal binding document of the kingdom. Now watch this. If a king spoke anything, it was considered law. A king could not go back on his word. I'm going to help somebody tonight. That's why the Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. Why? Because God is not man that he can lie, nor is he the son of man that he shall be able to lie. Let every man be called a liar, but God be called truth. Why? Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So when God spoke something, it could never be reverted. It could never be pulled back. So when God spoke something, he spoke a legal binding document. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. If you're going to be a kingdom advancer, you've got to spend time in the Word. So many times people go out in the community and they get in trouble and then they'll say things like this to the cop. I'm sorry, I didn't know that was a law. Just like in the natural, it's the same way in the kingdom that ignorance is not an excuse. We're ignorant because we're unlearned. We're ignorant because we don't spend time in the Word. There are many believers that are not activating and operating their authority because they don't know what the Word says. Why do, oh, I'm going to help somebody. Why do so many believers talk about my depression, my sickness, my cancer, my back pain? I'll tell you why. Because they haven't read the word that said you don't lay claim to any of that stuff. Matter of fact, you cast it back from where the pits of hell where it came from. Because the word of God says so. They got to understand the believer's authority. Another place that we need to spend time. If you're a true kingdom advancer, then you'll spend time in church. 
Nobody should have to beg you to come be a part of the ecclesia, God's governing body in the realm of the earth. You'll want to be in church. Some of you say, well, I don't want to be in church because it's made up of people. Let me tell you something. That didn't stop Jesus from birthing it. He knew, he knew how bad we'd mess it up. But he still gave birth to his church when he breathed on them in Acts chapter 2. But not only that, you don't just need to spend time in church. Watch this. If you're going to truly advance the kingdom, we've got to spend time being the church. We've spent enough time on church services and not nearly as much time as serving as the church. If we are going to advance the kingdom of God, then we have to be strategic on ways that we can be the church. What are ways and mindful ways that we can take the city for the glory of God? I'll tell you, even as a leader, some things that I'm strategically praying about is some things that I feel like we need to do to penetrate in this city. I feel like we've been in a building season. We've been in an establishing season. I believe we've been in a place where there's a core group being established, people that understand the vision and the mission, and people that are being filled and hungered uh, with the Spirit of God. But now I believe that there is a time of launching out where we've got to go out, and what we've heard and what we've seen and what we've experienced, we've got to take it to the streets. It's time to be the church. Matter of fact, Ephesians 5 and 16 says this about time. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. There's something I've been greatly convicted about lately, and that's time. The older I get, specifically in the ministry, I will tell you this, that I realize now the most valuable thing that I have, the most expensive part of the currency of my life is something called time. And I have to be mindful and how I spend, watch this, time is the currency of the kingdom. And you have to be mindful how you're spending it. One of the greatest convictions that I have in my life right now is what am I doing with my time? And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't make time for everybody like I used to. I don't make time for everybody like I used to. I used to try to be everything to everybody, and what I found out is they were just wasting my time. You got to find where you're going to spend your time, who you're going to spend your time on. None of you would go take money, put it in the toilet, and flush it, but that's what some of us do with our time. Anyways, I got to move on. Psalms 90 and verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Why? So that we can get a heart of wisdom. God, if we're going to be about advancing your kingdom, then we have to understand that time is a precious commodity. God, if we're going to be serious about advancing your kingdom, then we have to number our days. That when today's over, that's one less day that the church has to see people saved and set free. That when the clock strikes midnight tonight, that this day has passed away. And now there's a new day and there's a new morning of mercies to meet us and do what God's called us to do. But we got to start numbering our days. we got to start realizing that every day is a precious day to live God and glorify God with all that we do. The second way that will advance the kingdom of God is with our talents. Somebody say talents. 1 Peter 4 and 8 says, And above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. What did he say? He said, learn to use what's been given to you to serve the people around you. Kingdom advancers understand that God has entrusted something in their life and they have to use it for the glory of God. Matthew 25 and 14, I got a lot of scripture I want to read in this, but we need to catch it. It's called the parable of the talents. It's funny because talents in that time was actually a currency. It was a financial, but, but what I'm talking about is your gifting. I'm talking about what God has graced you with. That there's talents in this room. Some of us have the talent of hospitality. Some of us have the talent of, of, of instrument playing and worship and talents of, uh, of serving and talents of help and talents of administrative and talents. Uh, there's many talents in this room, but Matthew 25 and 14 says this. 
For it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his ability. And then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, somebody say a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, that good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, that good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you as ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him and said, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I, I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who will be, to everyone who has, more will be given. For he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cost of worthless and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Sounds like to me that God's pretty serious. Watch this. Not for what he gave us, but for what he's coming back with. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't desire to hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Did you catch something? The guy that had five that had 10 and the guy that had two that had four are the only ones that heard that statement. What stopped the third guy from hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant? I'll tell you what. He refused to advance what had been given to him. He refused to take what had been entrusted into him and produce something more with it. When we use our talents to advance the kingdom of God, we are saying we will not hide what you've given us. We are saying that we will not bury. Did you catch that? He said, I took it and buried it because I was afraid. I wonder how many people out of fear hide what God has for them, hide what God has given them, and hide because they feel like they're inadequate and they'll never, never be able to do anything. And that mere fact of fear is what holds them back from receiving the reward of the Lord. But it's amazing to me that the Bible says, you know what, give me that that you hid and I'm going to give it to the one with 10. Why? Because he was the one that had what he had and he produced more with it. If we're going to be kingdom advancers, we don't get to sit on our gift. We don't get to sit on our talents. We don't get to hide what God has put inside of us. we got to have a burden that says, I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't get to hide my gift. I don't get, Paul said it this way, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Why? Because there was a talent of ministry given to him, and he knew if I don't give you back more than what you gave me, woe is me. Woe is me. And some of us, we try to give God all kinds of excuses on why we can't give back, why we can't serve, why we can't do. Listen to me. You better do what God's called you to do. You better make sure that you give him back, not just what he gave you. Do you understand that? He's not coming back for what he gave you. He's coming back for more. He's not coming back with the talent. Brooke, he's not coming back with the talent of keyboard playing and singing that he gave you. He's coming back for more. 
There better be more anointing, more worship, more flow that comes from your life. And that's the reality of all of us. He's not coming back for what he gave us. If he comes back and gets what he gave us, he says, take that servant and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of the teeth. That's pretty serious stuff, y'all. But if we're kingdom advancers, then we don't get to sit on what he's given us. We don't get to hide what he's given us. I've often said that when it's said and done, I want my life poured out with nothing left in the bottle. I say this, and you may not like this, but it is what it is. I see ministries that store up millions of dollars in their bank account. I'll be honest with you. I would be terrified to be a ministry with millions of dollars in my bank account. You say, well, they're being a good steward. No, 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 no. I think there's a certain level of security. I believe there's a certain level of wisdom, and I believe every ministry should have a reserve account of money. But I believe that when we take and we store up millions and millions of dollars, and there's people that are homeless, there's people that could be fed, there's gospel tent meetings that could be in hand, there's other churches that could be planted. What we are saying is, God, what you gave us, we're going to hide it, we're going to hold on to it in case something goes bad, because, God, we really don't trust you. But I wonder how many ministries have millions of dollars in the anointing in the bank. How many of us have just stored up the anointing, stored up all of the gifts and the talents that God has given us, and we're saying, ah, we're just going to save it. We're just going to hold on to it uh, because, you know, we don't want to pour it all out. No, I believe that the heart of God is that we pour it all out that when God comes back we give him back more than what he gave us the third thing in advancing the kingdom of God is that you will advance the kingdom of God through your treasure you'll advance the kingdom of God through treasure I need a hundred dollars that I can keep can I have a hundred dollars that I can keep thank you I can have it keep it Here's the amazing thing. Some of y'all be like, dang, I wish I had money like that to trade to give. I'm really going to keep that $100, by the way. Hand on the Bible. He's not getting it back. Some of y'all looking at Trey like, dang, bro. See, but what you don't know is before service, I gave Trey that $100. It's actually my $100. And I told Trey, Trey, I'm going to ask for $100 in service. I need you to give it to me. See, Trey gave me that $100 willingly because it's my $100. And we're in, we're in error with treasure with God is that God asks us to give us treasure, but it's his treasure he's asking for. It's not ours. When God asks for tithes and God places it on our heart in an offering and we hold it back, it would be the same as if I gave Trey that $100 before service and I just asked for it and Trey completely ignored me. And he robbed me of $100. Malachi 3 says that, actually. Woe unto you, for you've robbed me. What do you mean we've robbed you, God? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. What is he saying? He said, that's mine, and you're refusing to give it to me. If we're going to be a kingdom advancers, we're not just going to take our time, we're not just going to take our talent, but we're going to give God our treasure too. We're going to be willing to sow, not because we want to sow, but because it's not even ours. I realize that the money that's in my bank account is there on the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And if God puts it on my heart to pay for somebody's meal, and if God puts it on my heart to put an extra hundred in the offering, it's not my money to hold. It's his anyways. It's his anyways. So I, I have no reluctancy in generosity Deuteronomy 15 and says, 15 and 10 says, give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then, whoo, somebody say then. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all you, bless you in all of your work and in everything you put your hand to. My God, leave that scripture up. 
Give generously to them and do so without grudging in your heart then because of this. Because of what? Because you gave generously and you did so without any grudge. Because of this, then the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and in everything you do. Everything you lay your hands to will prosper. When you understand this kingdom, that this kingdom is a kingdom full of resources, full of treasure, that you can't outgive God. When you understand that, you won't hold nothing back grudgingly. I tell this story from time to time. But I'll never forget when I was freshly saved here in Sumter, got saved in a church off of down by South 15. An amazing story of God's faithfulness and testimony of how he taught me the concept of tithing and giving. I'll never forget. I was in a service and I was flat busted broke. And uh, a lady came up to me and she gave me you know, she did the old crispy handshake. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all <laughs> you, you ain't keeping that. No, I'm kidding. But the old crispy handshake, there's a little piece of money. You know, like me and used to say, a little piece of money. There's a piece of money in there. But it wasn't just a piece. Like, I was so broke. Service wasn't over. When I sat down, they singing. I'm <laughs> count, counting it. And to my amazement, it was $600. Here's where I messed up. I should have never counted it in service. Because then it came to testimonying. And when they got in the testimony service, I heard about uh, uh, Brother Kenny and his wife and how she had been diagnosed with cancer and they were having to drive to Charleston and God said, give them $100. And then there was another testimony about a family that had to drive to Kentucky and God said, give them $100. And then there was another testimony about a brother that, that had uh, uh, just had his vehicle tear up on him, and God said, give him $100. There were six testimonies that day, and all, every single one of them, God said, give him $100. And I went from being flat busted broke to being flat busted broke. I gave away every bit of that $600 to six different individuals in that church that day. And I said, God, I did what you told me to do. Two weeks goes by, and I go to, say, Federal Credit Union. Duck season was on us, and I wanted to buy me a boat so I could duck hunt. And I went into the bank, and I sat down with the teller. And uh, she said, so you're here to do a loan? I said, yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, I only needed like $2,500 for this little duck boat. And she's like, okay. And then she, she looks at me and she said, uh, she said why, why are you taking a loan? I'm like, I don't have the money. She said, yeah, but why not use the money that's in your account? I, she said, I'm just wondering. I said, what money is in my account? She said, you've got $6,000 in your savings account. I ain't got $6,000. K-Y-L-E-M-E-Y-E-R. No S. You got the wrong cow. She's like, no, that's, that's the account I'm looking at. $6,000. I didn't have to take a loan for the boat. Little did I know that the sweet little old lady that gave me the $600 that day, it got back to her. That Kyle went around that church and probably gave out the $600 he gave. And when she heard that, she went into that bank that week and said, I want to put $6,000 in the account of that young man. Hundredfold blessing, y'all. Never knew it was going to happen, but God was asking me, now watch this. Do you want $600 or do you want $6,000? Because you gave it gracefully. And you didn't give it begrudgingly. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There had to be some grace because I know my lip was poked out when I left service that day. <laughs> I know it was poked out. But you know what? God's faithful. But you know, it's not just our money treasure that God wants. It's our spiritual treasure. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, but we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power would be of God and not of ourselves. See, God's taken treasure and he's hidden it in every single one of us. And when God puts a demand for the advancement of his kingdom, what he's saying is this, for the kingdom of God 
is as a man that went into a field and found a treasure, the Bible says. And in finding that treasure, the Bible says he sold all that he owned to buy that field. It's amazing to me that the passage of Scripture says that he bought the field. He didn't buy the treasure. What am I telling you? He bought the dirt. And what we find out is that in the midst of the dirt of all of us, there are hidden treasures. And what you'll find out is that you have to work through people's dirt to uncover the treasure. What you'll find out is that God will take your greatest blessings and he'll put it inside of somebody that offends you. And the reason why is because he says, I want to know if you'll work through the dirt to get to the treasure. And what you'll find out is that dirt is there to see if you will sell all that you have, sell all of your pride, sell all of your anger, sell everything, every right that you have to say, you know what, I'm better than that. God says, will you sell it all and buy the field? See, if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, then we have to understand we're going to do it through treasure, spiritual treasure, another treasure is we have to understand that God hasn't called us to store treasure on earth. Matter of fact, Matthew 6 and 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. About three years ago, my wife and I decided that we would no longer bombard our children with many Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. Why? Because year after year of dumping thousands of dollars around a Christmas tree to only see gifts broken, scattered, tore apart, forsaken, missing parts within days after giving it to them. What we were actually teaching our children was greed. And we said, and we sat down with our kids and we told them, we said, you know what, Jesus gets three gifts. You're going to get three gifts. And so each one of our kids now, they get three gifts. And I think there's a powerful concept in that, that what we are teaching them is your, your life is not about what you get. Your life is not made up in what you possess. Your life is made up in what you pour out. Your life is made up in what you give. The Bible said, blessed is better to give than it is to receive. We have to understand, listen to me. God never called us to store up our treasures on earth. There's people in this room right now and you're living your life to fill the bank account, to fill your home, to to fill your possessions. And God's saying, you're missing it. If you're going to advance the kingdom, it's not about what you store up. It's not about how much money you got in the bank. It's about how much Jesus you got in your heart. It's about how much peace do you have when you lay your head on the pillow at night. We have to understand the concept of treasure, that there's treasure in heaven. Matthew 6 and 21 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we're going to be kingdom advancers, then we have to understand that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. I've seen a lot of people lose a lot of good things simply because of where their treasure was. Brooke, you can come on. Simply because of where their treasure was. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart. There's wives that are dissatisfied with their husbands. Why? Because of their treasure is in their job. And she feels like she doesn't have his heart. She's right, she doesn't. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. What's your treasure tonight? Is your treasure Jesus? Is your treasure the King of kings and the Lord of lords? We say he's the Lord of our heart. But I think we need to ask ourselves, does he even have it? If we're going to be true kingdom advancers, then we have to understand, regardless of treasure, regardless of possession, regardless of what we own, regardless, we're not living for this life. We're living to see God move in a way like we've never seen before. I'd ask you tonight, if you're a kingdom advancer, where's your time? Where's your talent? Where's your treasure? Stand with me all over the house. If you're a kingdom advancer, where is your time? Where is your talent?
And where is your treasure? Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Father, we desire one thing, to please you. To please you in a way that is nothing broken, nothing lacking. Father, we truly desire to be a people that when it's said and done, you'll say well done. Father, we don't want to just give you back what you gave us. We want to give you so much more. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power that's at work within us. He's able. But do we enable him to do it? If we'll give him our time, our talent, and our treasure, We say yes to God. We say yes to the advancement of the kingdom of God. We say yes to the plans of God, the purposes of God for our life. I want to end this moment in worship, but also in worship and offering. So we're getting ready to give right here in this moment. And listen to me. Check your heart. Don't give begrudgingly. Don't. If there's anything in your heart that you're frustrated and, oh, this is the moment, you know, preacher preaches, and now nah, this is the place where we got to give. No, you don't. You don't have to give money. Don't give begrudgingly. The Bible says he loves a cheerful giver, and until you can give cheerfully, keep your money. It's not about that. It's not about giving money. It's about saying, God, it's not mine to begin with, and here, use it for the furtherment of your kingdom. God, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to sit on it. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. Because, God, you've been so faithful to give me everything that I have. But before we give financially through our treasures, I want to give them some of our time. And I want to give them some of our talent. And I just want to lift up a song of worship to the Lord tonight. Church, will you do this right now? Will you advance the kingdom of God with me? And let's give God just a few more moments in time. Saying, Lord, we'll seek your face. Let's give God a few more ounces of talent as we sing about a God who loves us so much.